everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. I hope you are enjoying this quarantine. Shelter in place is in place, probably wherever you are listening to this. So why not listen twice, three times, four times? Because you just can't find any good TCU content anywhere else. We're going to talk about recruiting. We're going to talk about what's going on inside the program in the As Unknown Times. Will there actually be college football this fall? Netflix recommendations, that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, as always, I have my good friends, Jeremy Clark and Daniel Southern with me. Men, how are you all doing tonight? Doing good. Uh, over here in the uh, friendly bunker in Weatherford, Texas. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's, how good, that's how good Daniel's doing. That's how great things are out there in Alito. All you Parker County boys. I love it. I love it. All right, well, let's just dig in. The Frogs got a big recruitment since the last time we had a podcast. Trent Battle, quarterback, commits to TCU. Uh, this is going to be two quarterbacks in this class, Jeremy, but I know that this was a big recruiting battle that the Frogs were glad that they won. Take us inside this recruitment and what the Frogs are getting with Battle at quarterback. Yeah, it was uh, It was really when talking to a few people uh, inside the program, this was a guy that – they really liked a lot. If you go back and look at the offer timeline, he was one of the first quarterbacks they offered from this class. They actually offered him before they offered Sawyer Robertson. They offered him before they offered Kyron Drones. I know a lot of people like Drones because they all got a chance to see him in the uh, state championship game for Shadow Creek. But Battle's a really good player. If you watch his film, he's going to remind a lot of people of uh, Kenny Hill, uh, Trevon Boykin. He throws a, a really good deep ball. It, you just got to watch his film to understand how accurate he is. He, he's got a strong arm. He's got good wills. He, he probably isn't quite as fast as uh, Trevon was, but he still can make plays with his feet. I, I think it's a great pickup. They, they needed another quarterback. They really like Honig as a quarterback, but you also got to remember he's playing in Germany. You're not facing competition quite like you are here in the United States. And he's also a, a guy with so much athleticism that if he doesn't work out a quarterback, you could probably move him over to tight end. But with battle, it was a, it was a recruiting win uh, over teams like uh, Tennessee, uh, Texas A and M had offered, and I think recently we moved him up six or seven spots. I think he was number twenty six dual threat quarterback in the country, and now he's up to number nineteen. So. Uh, I don't want to say he's going to keep going up or anything like that, but uh, he certainly is a, a recruit that I think fits TCU system perfectly. They want guys that can throw. They want guys that can also run, and that's what he is, and I think it's a great pickup, and he's going to be the guy that will kind of rally around recruits, try to help build the class. First night I talked to him or the, the, the morning I talked to him before he made his commitment public – is he was going to go out and try to get these guys. And JoJo Earl out of Alito, four-star receiver, he's the first guy on this list. They really had a, a great connection at one of TCU's junior days, and and that's a guy that he really wants. But it's it's uh, great to have a, a quarterback in the fold, and um, you've got two of them right now. You, you would kind of like to see some of these other uh, positions get some guys in there, but it, it is what it is for now. That sounds like a great pickup for the Frogs. I know that you have commented on the board that he really is going to be the bell cow of this class in terms of just going out there and recruiting. I like what he said about JoJo Earl. Um, he seems like he wants to build a class, and that's maybe uh, part of his timeline, a committing now, figuring out where he's going, and figuring out who he wants to bring with him. Uh, this wasn't in our outline, but I want to ask you this. 
with, without the recruiting camps happening this year, and this is going to roll into our next question, how, how does a guy like Battle that wants to go out there and, and get kids to come to TCU with him, how is that going to change? Is this going to be all on Twitter? Is this all going to be all just in terms of how they text? I know there's text threads of commits and guys they're trying to bring on board. How, how does this uh, 2020 timeline change for a kid like Battle that wants to go out there and, and build a stacked class? Well, as far as just getting face-to-face with people, it it doesn't necessarily hurt too much. I mean, TCU, in, in their case, I can speak about them. When, when they want kids to, to join a, a class, they'll usually bring in their committed players. When they bring all these uh, other uncommitted prospects up uh, for visits during the summer, uh, unofficial visits or – it, it's just funny how it works out. They always try to get the kids that are committed uh, on campus at the same time. With him being that he's from Alabama, he's not always in Texas, he's already kind of recruiting long distance. This is where social media has really just become a huge factor in, in this day and age of recruiting. You, you've got guys that can DM each other easily. You can reach out to them, retweet them uh, Matter of fact, any time a, a, a kid that I've seen, especially a receiver, Roderick Daniels or J.J. Henry, those guys talking about TCU, this and that, he'll usually tweet at them and say, hey, let's talk. Um, so that's a great that's a great avenue for them to have. Snapchat, I'm sure, Instagram, it's it's all pretty much the same thing. Social media is just – TikTok, don't forget about TikTok. <laughs> oh, man. You know, my daughter has like 25,000 followers on TikTok. Oh my gosh! And my, and my son has, my sixth grade son has, I think twenty five hundred, but it's I didn't I didn't really know how popular TikTok was until probably about August, August or September of last year, because my daughter had made a TikTok with her volleyball team and it almost got a million views, and she that's where all her followers came from. But it's it, it is another avenue. I mean, you you can definitely it, it there's. There's no, there's no way uh, a kid can say that he couldn't get a, a hold of a another prospect because there's just so many avenues. And that's the same thing with coaches. Coaches, they can reach out to these kids on Twitter, Snapchat. I've even heard stories, not necessarily from TCU's perspective, but playing games online, uh, playing Madden online, playing NBA 2K online. And, and, and when you play these kids online like that, guess what? You can talk to them for as long as you want. I mean, you can – sit there and play an hour long game on Madden and sit there and recruit for your school the whole time. So it's, uh, it's crazy the way things have changed over the years where you had to hope and pray that a kid had a phone number in the system. And if, if he didn't, you you're able to find a reporter that's talked to the kid before and, and, and got a contact information. But I, I don't think, uh, if if it gets to the point where they're not able to have any type of uh, camps over the summer, or anything on campus, I don't think it's going to affect recruiting too much as far as the way uh, coaches or, or, or how you ask the the recruits are able to recruit other prospects. Well, we talked about recruiting. We talked about a big uh, commitment with Trent Bat with Battle uh, had a decommitment as well. Devin Lemire. Tell us a little bit about this Frogs disappointed, Frogs kind of let him go. There's always kind of a two sides of the story, but I'd love yeah. to hear your insight on how all that unfolded because he seemed pretty excited when he committed, and then when he when yeah. he committed, everybody's like, huh, I didn't see that coming. You know, that that really came out of left field, and, and it surprised me, and I, and I know it, it surprised some of the coaches too because he was basically, even when Trent 
had uh, committed that morning and, and Trent was talking about how he was excited and Devin was talking to him on Twitter. And then the next thing you know, Devin's decommitting. It was funny because it, just the timing of it, Baylor offered and about 20, 25 minutes later, Devin decommitted. So I've, it, I've posted it on the board. It reminds me so much of uh, jaw day Barron from last class. Um, TCU was the first one to offer. He immediately jumped on the offer and then guess what? all these other programs started coming in. They started recruiting them, and uh, he started getting a little bit more notoriety. Uh, Devin hasn't gone up in the rankings quite like uh, Jaw Day did, but he's still getting some offers. Arizona offered last week. He's, he's going to get some more attention, but with TCU, um, I, I don't think they would take him back. Even if he tried to call and commit today, they wouldn't take him back. They feel good about some other prospects. They, they got on the radar. Uh, Lyric Rawls is a guy that – they offered out a Marshall uh, a few weeks ago that they've been extremely high on for several months. And, and he was originally supposed to come up to one of the junior days early on, and he had some car trouble, so couldn't make it. But uh, they, they, I think they've kind of moved on. Uh, the, the brown kid out of uh, California, out of JUCO ranks, if you guys watch his film, he is a he, – I, I think he's going to end up being one of the more heavily recruited junior college kids – He's 6'3", he's 180, he's got tremendous range. He's he's just got great ball awareness. And he reminds me kind of a taller version of uh, Chris Hackett, just the way he makes plays and, and, and reads the quarterback's eyes. But that, I think as far as Devin's concerned, they're going to let him go on and commit to another school and and uh, hopefully they won't have to play him too often. But it hurts because they have such a great relationship with the head coach down there in Maynard, uh, Coach Keller, he just he he was their uh, strength coach and re- kind of recruiting coordinator, defensive coach, and they promoted him to head coach. And Chad Glasgow has a great connection with him. That's that's a big reason why they were able to get Tyler Gotten last year in the 2020 class because of that relationship. So hopefully, Devin decommitting doesn't strain any relationship between Maynard and TCU. But uh, you know, TCU's got other kids on the radar right now, and they're going to go after him. Well, speaking of recruiting, how does how are the how is the staff going about recruiting right now? Obviously, they can't have face to face contact. All of those recruiting camps where you can get three hundred kids that come and seven of them you have an interest in, it's still good for those seven kids. And then you never know who's going to show up and be a you know kind of be a a, a diamond in the rough. What are this? What's the staff doing right now to stay active on the recruiting trail? Because I mean, I'm just going to throw this in there. If you're on our website, Hornfrog Blitz, there's a lot of odd comments like. You know, what are they doing with this kid? Are they getting a chance to interact with him? Like, well, they can call him, but it's not like they're going to practice because, like, everybody's in, unless they got a backyard football game that people can spy <laughs> on. But what, what's going on with recruiting? Because these are weird times. Everything is unprecedented. How are the frogs adjusting to this new normal? Uh, they've come up with some pretty unique ideas. They, they, they do a lot on Twitter. Uh, they're constantly reaching out uh, on, on, you know, through that avenue, TCU football is constantly tweeting out stuff about the program. Um, they've they've done a really good job about tweeting out facilities and doing videos on that, and you know, doing videos on other aspects of the football program. The coaches are obviously still able to contact kids. They can't. It, it's it's twenty uh, twenty one kids right now. Um, they can't call twenty two, twenty three kids, but they can they can keep in contact. They can Facetime. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Twitter's the biggest avenue. Snapchat's probably a big one. Instagram, it's 
pretty much any uh, way you can contact these guys without meeting them face to face and shaking their hands because it's nothing's really changed as far as uh, just being able to talk to kids. The only thing that's really changed is right now would be the time they'd be going out to high schools and watching off season, or if some teams have already started spring ball, going out there and watching some of that. But other than that, they still can keep a good line of communication with these guys and they can't see how they're progressing or anything like that, or if they're getting bigger or faster, but they can certainly gauge their interest in, in their, in the program and, and uh, keep recruiting them based on how much they want to be frogs. Well, are the staff even working or are they just sitting around watching Netflix? As well? <laughs> you know, I, they probably are. They're, they're not working. They're all at home. They're, they're probably binge watching, you know, Tiger King and, and Ozark and, you know, everything else. No, they're, they're working. It's, and I know it's crazy because some people don't fully understand the, the whole concept of recruiting all the way. They're, they're members of the site and, and I love them for that. But, um, it's it's not that uh, TCU's just sitting. The coaches are sitting on their butts, not doing anything. They are still actively going out. If you looked last couple of weeks, they've been pretty heavy on the offer front for uh, twenty one kids and twenty twenty two kids, and they're going outside the state. They've they've offered several kids um, all the way from Georgia to Virginia to California, um, Oklahoma, and they're offering in state kids too. So they're they're not just sitting around doing nothing they're watching a ton of film and this this is really good for them as far as an evaluation aspect and and this is something that barton simmons one of our uh, uh, our national evaluator for 24 7 said and it's a great point that if there was ever a time for kids to be proper properly evaluated and and get ranked accordingly it's this because we have so much extra time to really dive into game film and, and not just highlights just really dive into game film find find what they do well, find what they need to work on, find good tendencies, bad tendencies. And, and, and that's what coaches are doing. They're, they're doing all that extra evaluation. They've, they've got more time to do so. And it's not like one program is uh, at a disadvantage more than the others. Every program across the country is doing the same thing. No one can practice. No one can have prospects on, on campus. No coach can go to a high school and evaluate. So they're, they're pretty much all at a, a even even line right now, and that's really unprecedented when you think about it because it's it's never it's never been like that before. Yeah, I'm sure there are some creative ways to evaluate. You know, everybody's got film, but they're able to really dissect that, see who they're playing against, be able to compare that. You know, screen one screen to another in terms of different kids that they're trying to assess and evaluate on their own. So it's a it's going to be an interesting time. A couple of years down the road, let's see how this 2021 evaluation in class shakes out because how, how people kind of adjust and their ability to stay nimble and uh, try new things during this weird time is, is going to be something that uh, we won't see the fruits of down the, until down the road, but it's going to be real interesting to watch. And the, and the crazy thing about this, this thing too, Jeff, is I, and I know it mag, gets magnified because it, it doesn't really look like TCU is doing a whole lot, but, and I, and I, and I keep saying it and I'll say it till I turn blue in the face they're taking a small class in 2021. Yeah, I've said it over over the years. It always changes, and, and it's probably going to change again. But right now, you've got to just, just go to Go Frogs, look at the roster, look at how many seniors are on that roster, and you're going to see less than 10 seniors. And unless you're going to have a mass exodus of guys leaving, which 
quite honestly, they're really, you'll get a few guys here and there that aren't really major uh, contributors, but it's, it's not like they're going to lose seven or eight guys to all of a sudden make this class a 18, 19, 20 type class. It's I've talked to many, many, many people, including the most important person of them all that have all said this class is only going to be 11 to 12 right now. If, if they had to have a signing day right now, they would have 11 to 12 signees tops. And, and, and I'm, that's, that's a high number. I mean, you can realistically say it could be 10 guys. Cause every time I ask, Hey, how many, how many scholarships does, does, do you guys have? And <laughs> I'm going to tell you, you don't want to hear the number. I mean, it's low and that's just what people got to deal with right now for this class. Because if you look at all the offers that TCU's extended compared to some of these other schools, it's going to be a lower number because they've got to be so selective in, in what they're doing. And to be quite honest, there's some guys that they're in the running for right now that uh, are highly ranked kids. And there's some kids right now that are ranked. They're not as highly ranked that I think would commit to TCU, but TCU has feels like they have a really, really good shot at some of these these kids that they feel are better players. So you're going to see some probably some cases, and in fact, probably one next week where they probably could have got a kid, but they feel like they're in great position for some other kids that play the same position that are, in their mind, better player. Yeah, we'll see how all that shakes out. I'm sure on our next podcast we'll have a chance to discuss that. All right, let's talk, let's switch gears here. Um, let's go ahead and and, and uh, be prognosticators of things that we have no control over. Let's talk about college football this fall. I know we talked about it on our last podcast, but things are getting weirder by the day. Uh, what do you think in your not in your best estimation of what you've heard or what you think or what you know is going to be what happens on the field this year? Will the will there be college football? Will there be a full season? Will there be a full season with no fans? Will there be a partial partial season in conference only with no fans? What do you see shaking out? Because I'm going to be shocked if the frogs kick off in front of a full stadium in Berkeley this in, in the hotbed of of where coronavirus is up there in the in the Bay Area on exactly. I want to hear your opinion on it. I want to hear. I want to hear what you okay. think first. What I think is, well, you know, here's the thing. I, I don't want to like get into coronavirus policy, but I'll say this: in some parts of the country, I know there are some well-intended people that say, "What? What's everybody freaking out about?" And there's other parts of the country. Where still I, water. Yeah, yeah, like still, like still water. Yes, like still water. Yes. And no, I said well-intended people. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, like Stillwater, yes, like Stillwater. Um, and then there's other parts of the country that I don't think you'll have massive gatherings of 60,000, 70,000 people till 2020, you know, 2022, late 2021. So, uh, you know, it's a geographic imbalance. High population areas are obviously impacted more because uh, you have more human contact and all that kind of stuff. <sighs> I'll say this. I do not think the Frogs are going to kick off in front of a full full stadium in Berkeley on September 5th. That I will say. Yeah. And if I had to have my best hunch, uh, they're going to go eight conference games, that's, or eight or nine conference, nine conference games, make ACC and SEC staple on one. Nine conference games that start 
the first weekend in October and they will uh, somehow figure out who the best eight team for uh, that. They will figure out who the best eight teams are from that, that they will have an eight team playoff with uh, five at large, no, five automatic three at large and one gang of five, one G five. That's my hunch in that there. And what's up? What I don't know is whether there will be people in the stands on the first of October. Yeah. That's my that's my thought because yeah you know the governor of uh, California is has said that you know the ability to gather for sixty thousand people is not should not be on anybody's radar and he's right I mean we're, with the way that some of their population is is being hit like this that's the furthest thing from their mind. Uh, Mayor of Los Angeles said that they they would not have large gatherings for a significant period of time. So there's USC and UCLA right away, you know, two anchor institutions on the West Coast, two biggest programs out there on the West Coast. So. I don't see any way that there's people in the stands in some of these geographic, you know, Austin, Austin's a million people. They're not going to put 95. Well, there won't be 95,000 people there. There'll be 10,000 empty seats. Uh, there'll be a lot of people there. And I don't, I don't think that they're going to be able to put, you know, 95,000 people in Daryl Royal stadium in, in Austin right there in the big 12. So, and we, you know, we know we don't have the biggest stadium at TCU, but um, DFW has got, got quite a few people. So, so that's my hunch truncated season. And fans, not I, I don't know whether there'll be fans in the stadium or not, but I'd be shocked if there are until late in the year. I'm kind of with you on that, man. Um, I'm usually a an optimistic person, I guess you could say, but I'm I'm feeling less and less optimistic about optimistic about the the season starting on time or even having won at all until the spring. It's funny. You mentioned the thing about the fans. Did you see the thing on the, I'll give someone some props cause I'm, I, I am a, uh, a fan of the horn frog nation on Facebook. Did you see what someone posted on there today? Uh, yes, I did. Go ahead. And <laughs> the NCAA is looking into playing the 2020 season without fans. They are currently seeking help from SMU football to help figure out how to do that. <laughs> I saw another one on Twitter that was from a Texas fan that said, if A&M has to win a title one year, let it be this year in front of no no fans. <laughs> the tradition will continue forever where no one shows up at their stadium. <laughs> Man, I, I don't know how, I don't know how the season gets started. Um, the, the, the closer, and I've said this a couple of times that we've talked about it, if they're not practice, if they're not on campus, if if their players, student athletes aren't on campus by June first, I just don't foresee any way the season could start. Uh, uh, I think there's a small chance that it would start on time. If they don't get on there till July first, there's no way it's happening on time. There's no way those coaches are going to let those their uh, team uh, get acclimated with only a short amount of time before the season starts. There's just no way. Uh, I I saw that Ohio State has canceled all classes until July 31st. And then then I I think Oklahoma did the same thing. I'm not – I know they canceled them through June, but I can't can't remember if they matched kind of what Ohio State was at. I mean, you you can't start August 1st and be ready to go September 5th. I I mean, you just can't. And that's kind of – I can't remember where I saw it and – I might be lying when I say this. I might have been dreaming about it because it's been in my mind so much. But 
I could have swore someone made a, had a statement to where they said if there's no students allowed on campus, they're not going to let the the football players back on campus. Um, and that really it goes along the lines of what you were just saying about uh, them not having any kind of students on campus till a certain date. But to your uh, to your line of playing with no fans, I think that's obviously on the table. Um, getting a late start is on the table playing in October uh, or even playing in the spring. The idea of playing in the spring was such a crazy idea when you first thought about it, but now it's becoming more and more of an intriguing idea. If, if they're really looking at uh, trying to salvage a season, if they can't play with fans, my gosh, it's going to be a tremendous hit to college football. Um, You're talking (laughs) billions of dollars, probably. Uh, millions of dollars for each school. Uh, I think TCU, uh, I think Drew Davison did a story that said that they generate somewhere around $25 million in, in gate and concessions throughout the season. Is that – I think I read that right. But Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. I think uh, it was over $20 million. I mean, for me personally, I've, I've been asked about it on, on different shows I've been on, and it would be uh, a great story for me to tell my grandkids if I was at a game where – no fans were able to attend and you're sitting there just watching the game uh, with one team on one sideline and uh, another team on the other. And there's really no uh, energized crowd. There's, I mean, you really don't have a reason to get the stadium pumped up with all different kinds of music and everything else. You're not going to, you're not going to have a question at the end of the first quarter to figure out who the, who the frog is saying, give them hell TCU at the end of the, at the end of the clip. Um, but it, it, it's, it's getting scarier by the week that, that we don't have uh, any kind of return to normalcy. It's like I said, Jeff, if, if we don't, if, if we don't see kids back on campus by June 1st or July 1st at the absolute latest, I, I just don't see any way. And even if it does happen, you made a great point with uh, California kind of being one of the epicenters of this pandemic. I mean, it just, they're, I, I would not be surprised if there's there's going to be some type of conversation between TCU and Cal about possibly if they're able to play the game about possibly changing the home and home um, because Ooh. I don't know I That's, don't know if, I never thought about that I don't know if TCU wants to travel out there to uh, California with with all that especially when the governor's out there saying you can't have big crowds. Um, crowds getting together yet. So if I'll go on record right now and, and say that for me personally, I think the season is played, but I think it starts late. And, you know, this is one of those issues that I think fans need to remember. This will not be decided by head coaches or athletic directors. This is going to be decided by university presidents and they will be in te- university presidents, probably in, in clear consultation with their local government and with their governors. So yeah. this, this is not, you know, hey, should we play the game or, hey, we all need to get out there. You know, I, I, this is going to be made at a much higher level, and this is going to be made uh, – this is not going to be made by sports people. This is going to be made by uh, university presidents in consultation with government and health officials. So oh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how all that unfolds. So. If it was up to Gary Patterson, he'd go down to Sycamore Park and play a game. You know, that's – uh, coaches, uh, coaches, if they had a decision, as as uh, I think Mike Gundy took a, 
now granted he deserved a lot of the criticism he took but i'm i'm willing to bet about 80 percent of college football head coaches probably agreed with him and are just glad as hell that he's the one that said stuff about it what he uh, got in trouble for was saying we need to get all this money flowing through the state of oklahoma yeah <laughs> if yeah. there was ever any question about uh amateurism or or you know the, the, the conversation around that he kind of settled he said the quiet part out loud as i like to say so. exactly but he said a lot of he said a lot of the things that i know a lot of coaches have, have have thought of that they really want um to to get back to back to the grind and and, and they want to have that season and uh, the players want to have that season it, it's it's got to be a tremendously tough job um for the coaches just you know tcu in general, they're, they're keeping tabs on their kids or they're, they're keeping in contact with them. They're, they're able to have, uh, two hours of, of, uh, video time with them. And I think, uh, I think that it actually got increased today. Um, and I don't know if it went up to four, but I know that's something that the coaches were really pushing for, um, across the nation to get, get that thing doubled. Um, but it's, it's a scary time, my friend. Uh, we, I mean, it's, you know, there's there's a lot of worries going on right now, and it, it, you know, college football. You know, when we think about it, it's it's brings people together, it, but at the same time, it's kind of the least of our worries right now. Um, but as a as a sports fan and and just person in general, you hope to if you see that happening, if you even with golf tournaments, you you, you start to see some type of normalcy returning, and and that's what I think all of us want to see right now. Yeah, it really does come down to testing. I mean, like you said, does TCU want to go out to California? No, but the question is, does does, does TCU want California coming here? You know, do oh, they? Yeah. You know, is that something that they want uh, brought? You know, to their hotels, their campus, and all that kind of stuff. That in disparaging California, they didn't they didn't ask for this. Um, right. So, you know, how, what kind of testing do you have in place to be able to say, all right, we're bringing we're bringing eighty five guys traveling, and they all checked out clean for coronavirus the night before they got on the plane. Those are things that have to be um, that are, that are not in place that, that, that kind of have to be in place in order for these things that we all want to come back to come back. So we will see, man. I, I think we're kind of in agreement though. We're not going to see, we're not going to see a game full of students at Berkeley on September 5th. Right. I'm agree. I'm in agreement with you. Uh, I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and like I said, last, last week, when we were talking to, or a couple weeks ago, when we were talking about the NCAA granting uh, the seniors and, and everyone else on the, on the roster, another year, year of eligibility. Again, if, if we don't have football this year, we don't have pro football. We don't have college football. What's that trickle down to the high school, man, it's, it's, it's going to create chaos for those juniors that are trying to land on some of the radars of some of these college recruiters. And I could I could speak personally for uh, the city of Azel. Man, the parents are just uh, I feel bad for them. They're going nuts. Just just they're just scared because their kids might not get to play football this year. I mean, it's when you when you sit back and think of it, it's not just it. It, it, it just it's this thing has just impacted everything, everything. Well, let's move on to a little lighthearted subject uh, or something a little more lighthearted. Uh, I think we could we could lament about all of that for for hours on end. 
Let's talk about what we're doing during this quarantine. And I know you, Jeremy, you're, you're on Netflix, you're on Amazon Prime, you're on Hulu. Tell me what you're watching these days, and then we'll uh, we'll rope around to some of the shows that I'm watching. And, um, you know, we'll go back to a little more Tiger King, and I'm going to tell everybody what it's like to preach on live stream, because this is uh, <laughs> I became a televangelist here these last several weeks. So. <laughs> what are you watching? Man, I've, I've watched Tiger King, of course. Ozarks. I've watched The Boys on Amazon. So that was a better show than I thought it would be. Better Call Saul. I've watched pretty much all that. Uh, I got so bored last night because I couldn't couldn't reach any kids. I watched Rambo Last Blood, which, my goodness, give me back my hour and a half, please. Um, but I am... I am looking forward to the, the thing I'm looking forward to watching next week uh, because it's, it's, it's the first time it's ever happened. The NFL draft. And I can't wait to see what kind of chaos is going to happen with that. I want to see Jerry Jones on a zoom <laughs> right up in his face. I want to see the, I want to see all that, that work he's done, done had done. I want to see it up close. On a really bad camera. Uh, Jerry, what do you, what's Jerry going to sound like? That's what I want. Uh, um, can you guys see me? Hey, is this Jalen Raggers? How would you like to be a Dallas Cowboy? Oh, that's great. <laughs> you you were <laughs> you were on mute, man. I thought you were just leaving me out. No, I, I was on mute. I realized I was on uh, mute laughing. No, you I you did not leave me. I did not leave you hanging. That was pretty good. <laughs> got me sweating over here. Yeah, well, I'll, uh, I'll 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 do a few shows. I'll get to Easter here at the end though, because we're going to come back to the draft. I jumped around on my outline. Uh, I watched Greenleaf, which is a show on a, a mega church and their family here in Memphis, which is uh, where I live. It's where, it's where it's set at. It's pretty good. I'm I'm several episodes in, and it's a it's like a church. It's like a soap opera uh, kind of set in a church. So I, I I of course like it, and it's a little too realistic for. Some of no, my wait. Is, it's is it a document? Is it like real life, or is it? No, 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 no. It's not a documentary. It's oh, okay, it's, okay. It's a fictional show. It's not a documentary. I was no. going to say, man. Next time you know they're filming, you need to try to swing in and make a cameo on that thing. I might do that if they if they do a documentary on that. I might do that. the The real Memphis, the the real preachers of Memphis. How's that sound? I think I could do that. Yeah, absolutely. I'd tune in. I'd do that. It, it'd be like watching Alex Apple on the MTV show. I'd, I'd know someone and, and I'd be rooting for him. I know. Well, I, I always cheer for Mark Istook when I see him on, um, on TV <laughs> now. Yeah. Back home. I, you know, know, I, I went to school with him, but more importantly, I used to uh, counsel church camp with him. He's really involved really? in youth ministry. Yeah, he's really committed to, to summer camp and youth ministry. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, good guy. Uh, so the real question in terms of live streaming is, uh, did Carol Baskin kill her husband? <laughs> hey, the proof is out there, man. The proof is out there. I think she fed him to the tiger. You just look at that septic tank. <laughs> you, oh, I, can't, I can't do Joe Exotic without wanting to cuss, so I can't I can't do impersonations of Joe Exotic because it would be uh, unsafe for our listeners. You know, we we had talked about that we wanted to do a, a live show or at least a, a live show that we record and then have as many people show up on site. And we we're going to do it at Travis's spot out there in, um, in the river district for Heim barbecue. 
you know, I love Travis and may, maybe we'll do it uh, a second one there. But I think if we do an actual show, we got to go up to Thackerville. <laughs> I don't want to be anywhere around that, that uh, Jeff Lowe guy or whatever his name is. That, that, that dude just, he, man, he is just creep all the way around, man. Creep all the way around. Thackerville didn't have much going for it in the first place. And then you you put Jeff Lowe out there. That's pretty bad. What do you think? Do you think do you think she did it, Jeff? Do I think Carol Baskin? I don't I don't know. I don't think so. No, I actually don't think so. No. Wow. I don't. I wonder what Daniel thinks. Daniel probably hadn't even had time to watch it. He hadn't watched Tiger King. I've seen two. You haven't got to the great stuff yet. Yeah, it just gets better. It, it was real off enough, so I had to just be like, I'll get to this some other time. It's like watching NASCAR when, when you go around that third turn and they all crash and collide and you can't turn away. It's like watching that. No, it's worse than that. Yeah, I'll agree. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's worse than that. All right, let's do a little pre-draft talk here. Um, obviously, the Frogs have a lot of guys that are in consideration. We're looking at Shaywo. We're looking at uh, Darius Anderson. We're looking at Ross Blacklock. Obviously, looking at Jalen Rager. Uh, take, take us inside a few guys that are on the radar for a lot of teams up the ladder, and then a few guys that you think might be able to get picked up later in the later rounds. And uh, we, we want to do this before the draft, and we're going to come back and revisit it right after the draft, which is coming up soon. Uh, wh- what are your thoughts on the primary candidates for the fro- of the Frogs to be drafted this season? Man, I'm just going to say, I when, when Ross initially announced that he was leaving school, I know he got – uh, a lot of skeptics out there were, were saying that he should have went back to school. He doesn't have enough film, but he's gonna that sucker's going to get the last laugh. He really is because a lot of people felt – some mock draft even had him in the seventh round early on when he first declared. And even, even people I talked with around the program was like, man, there's no way Ross Blacklock's last until the seventh round. These dudes are crazy. Um, but he's he's really shown up. Uh, him and Jeff and, and Jalen have all shown up on a lot of uh, mock drafts in the in the first or second round. And and I did a story earlier on the on Thursday where you know several several mock drafts had them in the first round, and some of them were as recent as as today or yesterday. Uh, I, I don't I don't know which one's going to get drafted in the first round if if you. Uh, held me down and told me to pick one one guy I thought would be drafted in the first round, it would be Ross, just because I think overall his athleticism and and uh, his, his position isn't quite as loaded as uh, receiver. Uh, Jeff, Jeff, I think, would have the second best chance. He's getting a little bit more talk here, here lately. Uh, people watch his film. He's locked down. I mean, he's pro football focus, had him rated as the best corner in the Big 12, I think, for two years. And and you're playing in arguably the the most pass happy conference there is in America. So he's been battle tested. He's got great size, great speed, and I think teams are going to evaluate that even further and, and look at him and, and and really just say, hey, he's he's a first round talent. We we can't pass up on him. Uh, the the bad thing about Jalen was is he he didn't really perform well at the combine, and uh, it's just a loaded class of receivers. And uh, there's there's at least 10 receivers that are going to get drafted in the first two rounds. And I've seen one mock draft that had five or six drafted in the first round, including Jalen, but it's, it's pretty unique that they have so many guys that are on the radars off of five and 17. Um, And 
<laughs> every time we talk about it on the board, people just they 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 scream in the middle of the night. How in the heck did this team go five and seven with all this talent? But it happened, um, and and can't can't relive the past. Can't can't get it back. So the other guy that is kind of surprising me that he he's kind of he's kind of just gotten lower on mock drafts as Lucas because I think it really hurt him that he wasn't able to go full speed at the combine. He was planning on going full speed at the, at the pro day. And I think if there was any kid that really had his, his draft status hurt because there was no pro day, it was Lucas because he's, I think he before the season was pretty much regarded as a late first, early second round guy. And now he's, he's kind of slid down a little bit, but other guys I think have a chance. Uh, Darius, I've seen a mock draft with him being selected in seventh round. Shaywo's a six, seven round guy. Uh, Cordell is a six, seven round guy. Other than that, I think pretty much the rest of the guys are going to be able to sign free agent contracts, but it should be, it should be interesting. Like I said, it's going to be really fun to watch that next week, Jeff, because we've never seen it like this. They're basically Roger Goodell's announcing the draft from the basement of his house. Um, each each uh, team is they have uh, their one guy that's I guess it would be Jerry Jones and they've got an, they're allowed to have one IT person with them and you better pray that you got the right internet so you, your speed and everything's good to go and you don't have any mess ups and. I, I hope that you just have a lot of people that are talking and then all of a sudden the screen goes white and all you can hear their voice. And can you see me? I can't see you, blah, blah. And just, just mass chaos. I want, I want that stuff to happen. It, it I, I think it'd be for uh, great viewership, but uh, I'm, I'm excited. And, and, and I think it will be a good first two days for TCU. What's the over under on a meme of Jerry with a really bad look on his face? <laughs> oh my gosh. 50. I, I, I think it's over 90. He's, it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. My, yeah. Without a doubt, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Hey, well, I sure did like that way you returned that pun against Highland Park. And uh, uh, <laughs> Did you see that story oh, in the oh, Dallas, oh, you, the Dallas you, Morning you, News? I do think you like sure that. could go. Man, I said, man, you can go. <laughs> I didn't know if it was – I can't remember who wrote it. If it was Drew, I'm sorry, Drew. But there was a great story about Jerry remembering watching Jalen Raker play from his Watch the Haxley days against Highland Park. You know, what was crazy is that when this was before Jalen switched from OU to TCU when they had Kennedy Snell. And I tell the story because it's funny because me and Billy Wessels were at this game. And uh, I believe we, it was against Legacy. And Waxahachie was six and zero. Legacy was, I think, four and two. And Jalen really wasn't doing that much, and Kennedy really wasn't doing that much either. And me and Billy were just kind of roaming the sidelines together. And Legacy had this kid that was just running left and right on Waxahachie, and, and Waxahachie had no answer. And Waxahachie had got into the top ten in state, so they were getting shell shocked by this legacy team. And that legacy quarterback was Jalen Catalan. Remember that name? Uh, oh, the kid out of Mansfield. Yeah. 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 He was, he was, a, he was a sophomore at the time and just running all over him. But 
after the game, Kennedy walked right up to me and Billy because he knew we covered TCU and he was nice. And Jay and me and Billy were just kind of like, should we talk to Jalen? Because we both had heard hints that Jalen was going to be switching to TCU. And like, should we talk to him? I don't know, man. He looks mad. He looks mad. This and that. And Waxahachie ended up with that loss. They ended up going uh, six and four that year and didn't even make the playoffs. So at one point they were six and zero oh with Jalen Rager and Kennedy Snell. And they end up six and four, not even making the playoffs. That's uh, that's what we call bad where I'm from. <laughs> yes, very bad. Well, well, anything anything else on the draft before we uh, figure out how to land this plane? Uh, is there any particular team, any any particular team you want these guys to go to? Well, I, let me come I, back. Personally, I personally don't watch pro football. I, you know, I'll have I'll have some interest because you know I'll I'll watch if if Andy's playing I'd watch the Bengals you know but it's I, I'll watch if you put a screen of college football or high school football and a screen of NFL football in front of me I'm directing my chair to the college and high school screens I'm not even I'm not even turning my head to the NFL that's how much I don't pay I, I don't like fantasy football no one ever they know better they don't even bother to ask me about fantasy league I never do it. Like I, I just I do not have any interest in NFL football, college football. Oh man, love it. High school football, love it. So, if if a guy goes to a team, maybe Jeff goes to the Cowboys. I saw I saw a uh, mock draft of him going there. Then I would have a little bit more interest because I actually know the player and would be rooting for him. I want to see Jalen go to the Cowboys just to follow Monty Rager on Twitter. Oh, Monte would love it. Monte oh. would love it, wouldn't he? Oh, man. And he'd keeping, have something to say. Keeping his boy home. Keeping his boy yep. home. Oh, oh man. That would be great. That would be great. You know, the one guy we didn't talk about, is in his gains. Has he got a shot? Or is he going to be undrafted free agent? Or is <sighs> yeah, I think, I, think, I think he's going to be an a undrafted free agent because it. he was another one. Uh, of the guys that didn't go to the combine, it, it really hurt their chances. The one guy I think that it didn't hurt too bad was Vernon Scott because they, they have these little – and I'm able to talk about it because I, I verified that it's perfectly legal. They do this. They just don't advertise it. They don't do media days for it. But they have like a junior – they call it an NFL uh, junior pro day. And basically it's all the guys that are eligible for the draft the following year. They they do all their testing. uh they do everything. They do everything. They they do everything that that the seniors do. They get their heights, weights, measurements for hands, whatever. Do the forty. Do the shuttle, verticals, everything. And that's one thing. When I talked to Vernon about his disappointment in not having a pro day, he said the silver lining was he did so well last year uh, at the junior day that he has those verified measurements and times that he can use for NFL scouts. Guys like Ennis Gaines that really didn't get to go through that last year, they were really looking forward to to going out and shining in front of NFL scouts this year. Just didn't have a chance. So he's he's got good film. Um, he's got two years of, of, of good film, and he's really having to rely on that right now. He's got good size. No one really knows his speed, but he'll be a, a kid that I think will definitely get a – a, a chance to go into an NFL camp and make a roster, but it's—I think it's going to be like that for every guy uh, that's remaining. 
That's interesting. We'll see where it's at next episode where we kind of come back together and look at where who got drafted where and who got picked up by the undrafted free agent. There's going to be a, a lot of a lot of frogs I think are going to end up at camps this fall if if we have college if we have NFL football. So, we will see. All right, I'm going to talk about this just cuz you wanted me to, Jeremy. I want to tell you what it's like preaching to a 700 or 700 seat sanctuary with another 200 that can go in the balcony and there's literally no one looking at you. That's what I've had these uh, on you know Easter Sunday last several weeks. You know, I know I'm I'm not Kenneth Copeland, but I kind of am a TV preacher and at least I am now. But man, we've had we have I don't know 500 people on it. We had 500 people the Sunday before the quarantine hit. And then uh we had over 1,500 people turn in live on Easter for Facebook and YouTube wow. and uh, other other ways that we're streaming it. We, we're on the radio now. Uh, a member of our church owns a radio station and has put us on there free for the quarantine. So interesting. Wow, that's that, awesome. It, it is kind of cool. It, I won't lie. That's that's kind of cool. So, but preaching to an empty room and pretending like you know, do I? You know, I know how to tell a. At least I I think I know how to tell a joke. Do I wait for everybody to laugh at home? Um, people say you look around the sanctuary like you're looking at different faces and there's uh, there's nobody in there. And I'm like, that that is correct. That's just kind of what I know how to do. So it's been real interesting. So I know there's a lot of cool live streams out there on, you know, Tiger King and Better Call Saul and, and a lot of other stuff. But if you're really bored, go to Lindenwood Christian Church on YouTube on Sunday mornings at 945 or 11. And I'll be I'll be preaching on there if you want to if you want to hear a really bad sermon to put you to sleep. So. You won't even be able to tell I'm preaching to an empty room. <laughs> well, how, how do you how do you know if you're getting your message across there? Because I know when you're standing up there, you'll look out in the crowd and you'll see you'll see someone you're connecting with. Someone's really just yeah. watching you. And yet, if you're talking about something that's really hitting their heart, you'll see the little little tears rolling yeah. up in their eyes. How, how do you how do you get past that? Well, you know, I don't want to say I fake it because that sounds that sounds bad. But I I have just I have just decided that it is connecting with people because one of the things I have learned in this is that people are obviously craving some kind of connection. You know, I mean, I, I we will have more people on the Sunday that we come back than we've had in years. I, I do know that just in terms of the response. People are, hey, man, I miss church. I miss being with people. I've had people say, hey, I haven't really been to your church, but I've been watching the last month or so. So I just have, have have assumed that what I'm saying is is of, of substance to people. And I've really tailored it to the, the situation that we're in, obviously. I've tried to really speak to that to the best of my ability. Um, and so I just I just kind of let it go, man. I mean, and in some ways I'm I'm Coach Patterson should call me about what it's like to bring energy and passion when you have no crowd in front of you, because he might need that. <laughs> <laughs> you should reach out to him. I, I should. Well, he should really reach out to me. Let's be honest. Yeah, I should reach out to him. But it is interesting to, to preach without a crowd, to not know whether it's connected or not. I'm, I've, uh, I assume it's connected. I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to say I assume it's connected. I preach as if I assume it's connected and I'm doing everything I can to try to talk to what, what is, um, really going on with people's lives. So one of the little rules of preaching I have is don't don't ignore what's already going on inside the room. And I don't want to ignore what's going on inside, inside people's lives about the economy, their inability to get around. Um, I know a lot of people have loved ones that are sick. I mean, you know, I have friends that are really impacted by uh, COVID-19, you know, and they have loved ones that are impacted by it. My mom's in a in a nursing home, in a assisted living center, she hadn't been able to leave her little room for two weeks because of the oh, fears about the illness. So it's a, uh, 
you know, it's it's more than just, hey, I can't go to the um, a ball game or, you know, I can't go to my favorite record store or whatever. Um, it's hitting people in a, in a harsh way. So I've tried to talk to that to the best of my ability and assume that it's connected. So what, that, that leads me to a question that me and my wife have talked about. What, what's going to be the first thing once once we get these restrictions lifted? What's going to be the first thing you're going to want to do? You know, what they're talking about, I, I watched the uh, governor of Ohio, who, I, who, for what it's worth, I think has done a pretty good job in terms of this Governor DeWine. And he's talked about like phased in uh, lifting of sanctions, for lack of a better term, that you kind of like we do this and then we do this. I don't know what phase it will hit, but when you can go to a coffee shop and sit and people watch and get a cup of coffee and be able to open up a book or get on your phone I, I mean, I, I'm not being silly. I want to go to Starbucks. I want to sit and, and people watch. People I wanna, watch. Yeah, I want to be able to be around folks as well as be alone. So, you know, I know I'm going to be able to go to church. You know, obviously I'll be there. So so that part for me is 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 just kind of baked into it. But, you know, I really I want to go walk in the park. We got some great parks in Memphis, uh, Overton Park and Shelby Farms. They're big parks, and they shut those things down. Cause, really? Yeah, too wow. many people. Too many people were uh, originally they were not shut down, but but people just could not keep their distance. They were stopping and talking and gathering and uh, they, they didn't want to do it. They wanted to keep them open, but people just couldn't abide by it. So I want to yeah. I want to go walking over in park. I'm going to go out to Shelby Farms. They got a great, uh, great lake and a place to walk around there. I want to do something like that. That's what I want to do. What about you? What do you want to do? We're going to have a get together. We're going to invite like all of our friends over here and. I don't care, man. Like we're, it's I, you know, family and friends are are what matter to me the most, and that's what I'm missing the most right now. I mean, we don't even. I my wife's uh, parents are great people. We we see them maybe from a distance, maybe once a week now. And we're basically seeing them every other day, and uh, fam, you know, friends. We have a lot of friends that we'd hang out with, and haven't had an opportunity to do, to do that. So. We've talked about we're we're gonna we're gonna get out the the meat we're gonna grill it up we're gonna swim we're I don't care if it's fifty degrees outside we're gonna do something with some some type of uh, human interaction we're missing it and Daniel you're invited Jeff you're invited too if you're in town brother I'll be there I'll be there you know the first thing I want to do is you know maybe go to Del Frisco's or uh, Texas Day Brazil <laughs> in downtown Fort Worth that's what I would like to do. If Mr. If if Mr. Jeff's listening, Mr. McCain, yeah, that, that's that's a hint thrown your way, Jeff. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, one of the thing that one of the things I had on my on the books was to have all of the staff from my church over on the Monday after Easter for lunch. That we would just come over. I got a big back porch. We'd you know eat some food and relax and celebrate the day after Easter and that kind of stuff. But I'll probably do something like that. That'll be good. I got a good group of people I work with, so I'll probably look forward to doing something like that. Awesome you know, stuff, man. We can't wait. I know. Hopefully we can go to a game this fall. That's what I'm looking forward to. The ability to go to a game this fall. Um, I, I had two of them circled to get to, so we'll see what happens. I wanted to go to the Oklahoma and Oklahoma State game. So Great we, games to be at. Great games to pee at. My if my Gundy has his way, it'll be you know fifty thousand <laughs> screaming frog fans in there, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! No, he was he he did that just to get headlines because he was tired of somebody else in Oklahoma get with a mullet getting all the attention. I'm telling you, it worked. 
I mean, it, it, it worked big time. It worked. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's bring this show to an end, my friends. I want to thank everybody for listening to the Frogcast. If you haven't yet, go to hornfrogblitz.com and sign up on our message board. This is a great chance to stay connected about what's going on inside and outside of the program, what's going on in the recruiting trail. There may be some news that breaks in terms of information, guys that want to recruit, uh, guys that were recruiting and want to commit, maybe some inside information about uh, the state of the program and what might be happening this fall. If you're not a part of Horn Frog Blitz, you need to sign up right now. Also, go to iTunes and subscribe to the Frogcast. It's a great way to stay connected. That flows right into your stream every morning. Uh, if you subscribe to us after we post it, uh, give us a rating and review. We'd love for you to do that. Also, we want to thank our sponsor, Teen Life. Teen Life, great organization right here in DFW. Go to teenlife.ngo and find ways that you can support financially as well as with your time when you're able to get back out again to support junior high and high school students that are dealing with difficult transitions in their life. As Jeremy mentioned, our good friend Jeff McCain is a part of Teen Life, and we want to thank him for all the good work that he does right there in DFW and beyond. Until, until our next podcast, for Jeremy Clark and Daniel Southern, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the broadcast.